Hey, and welcome back to Game Talk. I'm your host, David Mion. Today, I'm joined by Connor. Hey, guys. And Mike. Hello. And I bring some troubling news. Actually, there's like a lot to unpack with this, so I, I guess I could just go ahead and uh, say it. So Sony made an announcement that they will be discontinuing uh, certain PlayStation apps, features, and services. And uh, chief among those are the store functionalities for PlayStation 3, PlayStation Vita, and the PlayStation Portable. So this has been rumored for a while. Uh, A lot of lashing out over this, uh, rightfully so. But it wasn't official until very recently. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think this is just yet another example of a big company sort of turning their back on their legacy. And granted, yeah, I know what the counter arguments are. Like, no one's been playing these PS3 games, no one's buying them, therefore they don't feel like maintaining them. But it's still just in stark contrast to, you know, someone like Microsoft who seems to be embracing their legacy. I don't know, what do you, what do you guys make of that? Well, I mean, can you still buy Xbox 360 games on an Xbox 360, like on yes. Xbox Live? Really? I, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I have to double check on that. But um, I, I don't know. I, like, I get like the thing that bothers me about this is that these games aren't available anywhere now. Exactly. Not just the fact that I can't get them on my PS3, because like I don't know, it's an awfully tall order to these companies to say like, hey, if you're going to open up a web store, you have to keep it open for the rest of time. Right. Like, I, I, that and, and that's totally valid, right? Like, there's no expectation here for like you know like Nintendo isn't still like letting you buy well actually is the Wii store still open I the was Wii gonna, shop you know, channel closed last 2019 i think yeah i i think the unofficial sort of paradigm here is that once you're uh something is two generations old then it's eligible for chopping yeah and i well yeah uh another sad thing mario maker went down today uh the original mario maker yeah and i don't know man like I don't have too deep of an insight into like the financials of what it costs to like keep these servers running or anything like that, but I can't imagine it'll tax it taxes like these companies that much, right? I I seriously doubt it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. keeping them and, updated and, and stuff and would think, be bad, but there's no updates to do. Like And I think another reason this just sort of leaves a bad taste in my mouth and the you know, leaves a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths is 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 the the news of this closure coupled with you know Jim Ryan now head of Sony's statements about older games just sort of gives off an image that Sony no longer really cares about legacy games and really wants everyone to be on the cutting edge. Yeah, I mean Jim Ryan is his. Uh, let me see if I can bring up that quote because he is so disconnected from reality. Like. He, yeah, so he yeah, the the infamous quote is basically like he was talking about like uh yeah, you know, he, like, it was a PlayStation it. Sh- okay, go ahead. Yeah, um we, we've dabbled with backwards compatibility. I can say it is one of those features that is much requested but not actually used much. Uh that and I was at a Gran Turismo event recently where they had PS1, PS2, PS3 and PS4 games, he continued. And the PS1 and PS2 games, they looked ancient. Like why would anybody play this? And I, I got to say that this is the stupidest a single person could look because clearly people are playing it right next to you right now, Jim Ryan. You yeah, absolute I, moron. Yeah. Um, 
game preservation is really important, especially since we're in an era where game where tons of games could just vanish overnight because I mean, someone shut down the store. Retro is such a like the retro revival in indie games is huge, and like, does he just not see that? See the like, only way his words i i always try to see things from everyone's perspective right so the only way his words make sense from his perspective is that just from a financial perspective right like the the number of the the revenue they're getting from their older games is so minuscule it can basically just be ignored that's why i think that must be true because like you know i mean nintendo has stopped selling their games individually which they did for a long time. You know, you have to get them through Nintendo Online now. So I, I think that's a clear letter that, you know, it's not yeah. worth it's and, not worth maintaining and you know, a there's, storefront. There, there's arguments like, you know, there are people who maybe live in third world, world countries that, you know, their primary source of gaming is like their two generation old machine. Like that is definitely a thing that happens. Granted, you know, like that's not Sony's primary audience, but. It would be nice, I suppose, for them to cater to everyone and not just, you know, people who have the means to get the latest systems. Yeah. But I get their company and, you know, money trumps everything. But still, like, I feel like, I don't know, I, I feel like the current Microsoft would never make this move. That's that's how I feel. And the thing that stings to me personally, like, yeah, I'm not going to really play my PS3. Like, I don't think I'll ever plug it in again. And if I do want to play a PS3 game... Thankfully, a lot of PS3 titles are available via PS Now. So there's that option for me. But the biggest uh, offense here is the closure of the Vita store. And I know that I'm in in a huge minority there, but like I really enjoyed Sony's handheld offerings. I thought they were sort of unique in a way that nintendo's weren't you know like obviously like nintendo is the king of handhelds i i prefer ds and switch to i I mean yeah PSP and vita any day but vita i thought was a special console and i i I hate to see it just sort of abandoned like this and granted you know like sony's not in the handheld space anymore they tried and really didn't succeed at that but there is a dedicated following of of both vita players and vita developers and they're both just sort of being abandoned now yeah, I think, I mean, the Vita is pretty old at this point. It is. It's yep. not as old as the PS3, but the the thing is, the Vita was really interesting because it was like, like the way the Switch is to indie games now, the Vita kind of was back then. Like, I remember it being this yeah. huge deal when it the really original was. Spelunky HD, God, that's, that's a weird thing to say, uh, when Spelunky <laughs> HD released on the PS Vita, Spelunky 1 HD. Mm-hmm. Uh, release releasing on the PS Vita was a huge deal. Now I never bought it because I never bought anything on my Vita. Uh, I barely used it. But yeah, and, and another sort of uh, big thing to point out here is that there are people, uh, developers who have Vita dev kits that were not told about this closure, and so wow. now people are scrambling. Developers are scrambling because a they either have to crunch out the game. And release it and try to get some profits on the platform, or B, they'll have to cancel their game and find another platform to put it on, which really, really sucks. Like, I get Sony, like, okay, I can get, yes, 
Vita is not profitable for you at all, and it just makes sense to close it. Yes, that makes sense, but at least have the courtesy of telling the people who are making games for your platform ahead of time. I was reading on Twitter these reactions of developers who were very transparent in that they said they had no forward notice and found out when everyone else did that the Vita was store was going to stop being supported, which is really that's that's the worst part of this in my opinion. Yeah, that's really bad. Like, what on earth are you thinking? <laughs> like, honestly, like that's on it. Like, first of all, like the fact that you the the Vita even has developers at this point, like, really just means that like these developers are very passionate about Vita, right? Like, there's no real reason to put a game out on Vita in 2021, right? Like, you'll you'll have far more success putting it on the Switch or PC. Yeah, but but the definitely. fact that you're bringing Vita to me, it's 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 sheerly like a labor of love almost like it's just because you're passionate about that platform and to take those people and just sort of pull the rug out from under them is really kind of scummy yeah i i can't even imagine being in that position i mean what you know what what i think so my opinion is that if you're going to shut down a store like this you can't also keep the device locked down like can you elaborate yeah, yeah. so if Sony no longer wants to provide PlayStation Vita games to me, then they should take off the lock on my console that says I can only install a game from the PlayStation Store. I should be able to download a game to my SD card and install I see. it. And, you know, showing my hand a little here, I can do that. I have rooted my PlayStation Vita. I don't use it for piracy so much as just emulation. I thought it was a really cool portable emulation machine for a bit. Mm-hmm. And also, I just thought it was kind of fun to do. And uh, the the PS Vita is also one of the easiest hacks in the world uh, for anybody interested in doing it, which I will say that happily now, you know, now that Sony's abandoning support, I think that they are, that that's, in my opinion, explicit permission to do whatever I want with this platform. Because, yeah, like, they're basically, like, PS Vita games are not easy to find. Like, you can't just go anywhere and buy cartridges either. Like, they didn't sell well. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, if you have a PS Vita and you don't have the games you want on it, you're just kind of out of luck now. Yeah, I, I think they Unless announced, actually, I have the thing piracy. pulled up right here. They will, okay, so let's see. You will lose access, features you will lose access to. You will no longer be able to purchase PS3, PS Vita, and PSP digital content, including games and video content. You will no longer be able to make in-game purchases through the games on PS3, PS Vita, and PSP. You will no longer be able to redeem PSN wallet fund vouchers, okay, et cetera, et cetera. I was looking yeah, for Yeah, you games. can still download games you already own. Okay, which... here we go. Uh, PlayStation Store on PS3 consoles will be closed on july 2nd 2021 and ps vita devices on august 27th 2021 so you have until august 27th i suppose if you really want to uh you know, stock up on vita games uh do it then because otherwise you'll uh be reliant on physical only media for vita and that's uh that might be a bit difficult to find yeah although also <laughs> You know, the idea of stockpiling a bunch of Vita games also is not very appealing, given the proprietary memory cards. Yeah, that's true. That's another huge, uh, yeah, that's such a weird decision for the PlayStation Vita. You need a proprietary, expensive 
memory card for it. It doesn't take SD cards, which is just whack. Unless you mod it. <laughs> oh, really? I didn't know yep. you could do that. That's cool. Yeah, you can put whatever you want in it if you mod it. I think you have to buy a piece of hardware for it. Yeah, that's neat. But yeah, yeah. But that doesn't change the fact, and it's not just Sony doing this. Like, no, the, Nintendo's also seriously locked down their vault recently, and like, yeah, Sony and Nintendo. I mean, like the big three we talk about. You know, the first party is Sony, Nintendo, and Microsoft. And I would say, like. Until recently, all three really sort of didn't care about their legacy content. It's only within the past recent years that Microsoft's really been gung-ho about, like, games for everyone, and that includes older games. Well, I don't know if that's fair, because um, Nintendo seemed to care a lot during the Wii era. They, uh... Well, the extent of Nintendo's, I guess, I guess if we're talking backwards compatibility support now, like, they've only given support for, like, one generation back, right? Like, well, but on the Wii, you could buy NES games and N64 games, and you could buy yeah, N64 games on the Wii. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah, it, it supported in, it. Yeah, and uh, you couldn't put a you know a cartridge in it, but yeah, it had, and it also had like Genesis games and stuff. Like the Wii's retro store was incredible. That's it really cool. Kind of got drip fed to us. <laughs> yeah. But it was very cool. I mean, that was my first exposure to a lot of these games. I played Super Mario RPG on there. I played Paper Mario on there. Pokemon Snap. Um, See, it just sort of begs the question, like, why? Like, what is stopping them from bringing these games forward onto the future digital storefronts? Like, maybe they have, like, secret marketing knowledge that says, like, X game should only be re- released this often to maximize profits. No, like I, think, I think that's what it is. is that uh, wouldn't surprise me. It's like the Disney model, you, right? Yeah, like you give me Super Mario Bros. 3, why am I going to buy new Super Mario Bros.? It's an objectively worse game. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, you know? Like, why yeah. release the old classic when you can't beat it? Like, you yeah, know, if just, they... Yeah, I, they don't want to cannibalize their like, sales. I suppose, you know, like... That makes sense. You know, they're a business and everything. But it's just weird to me in, you know, like the year 2021, right? Like PC gamers don't have to worry about that nonsense. Now Xbox gamers don't have to worry about that nonsense. I feel like, you know, it's just the way of the times now to not have legacy content. But obviously Sony feels differently. I don't know. Yeah, and, I, and you know, like, and and you know, the counter argument, I guess, you know, like PS3 was on a, you know, like this had the cell architecture. It's not very easy to have backwards compatibility to it. So maybe they're drawing a hard line, like between PS3 and PS4, and everything forward will be forward compatible. But that's just me being extremely optimistic. But it is a possibility. Yeah, I mean, it, it's gonna come down. Yeah, I don't even know because PS3 emulation isn't even very good. So like, yeah, a lot of these games are just not going to be playable. And again, there is an official avenue to a lot of PS3 games, specifically through PS Now. But like, the thing about PS3 is it had a lot of classic games on there, like a lot of PS1 titles, a lot of PS2 titles as well. And in you actually like the original fat PS3 was backwards compatible to PS2 and PS1. I believe and, all uh, PS3s were backwards compatible to PS1. No, it was just the original. Like, a- after that original fat no, the, model? No, the, the original was backwards compatible to PS2. Uh, that was the only one backwards compatible to PS2. I believe all of them were backwards compatible to PS1. 
Okay, yeah, I, I, I would have to double-check that, but yeah. I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah, the point being that, like, these retro games are sort of, like, just lost to the ether now, which, uh, which is unfortunate. I know on PS4 they had that initiative, like, PS2 on PS4, but they didn't ever release anything more than a handful of PS2 games on PS4. And it's just... I and I feel like with PS5 there aren't really any any excuses anymore. I feel like PS5 is powerful enough to emulate a PlayStation 3 if Sony really wanted to do it, you know. But Yeah, the thing is they can't just they can't just pull an open source emulator and ta- port it to their console, which is a very common thing to do. And, I mean, didn't uh, didn't Nintendo do that? For, Nintendo uh, has been known to download ROMs from the the very same websites that they take down the ROMs from. Right. I don't know that Nintendo's ever pulled an open source emulator. I uh but I I have it, I have definitely heard of that happening. And like there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to pull an open source emulator to sell your game, like the game is still yours. But I just and you're not selling an emulator, you know. I just don't get why I don't know. Sony should put the money into it to get us a PS3 emulator because there's a lot of really good PS3 games. Yeah, and I feel like, and again, this just might be well. They must have it because PS Now works, right? PS Now is right. PS Now is it's it's streaming, right? Right, but it's streaming from an emulator from something, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah, I mean, surely they don't just have a bunch of PS3s, like. Surely not, but you know, who knows? Yeah, but um. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I I do feel like maybe it's just me being naive, but I feel like overall we are trending towards you know once you buy a game you'll have it forever. Like, I can't see them doing this again for PS4. Like, I just think it's it's so embarrassing. Like to us as a medium, right? Like, this is another yeah. Nobody looks at a book and is like, well, you can't read that one anymore. Exactly, yes. And that opens up such a broader discussion. Every other form of art and entertainment, there's no, this is a unique issue solely to video games. It's not like, oh, that movie that came out in the 1920s, that was great. Too bad we can't ever buy that again. Or that mute, that album that came out, you know, like, too bad we can't get that. That book is now lost to time. Too bad we can't read that. That's not a thing. You know, like, it's yeah. only video games that like people have to scramble to preserve our history, which really shouldn't be the case. Like, I I don't get it. No. No, it's really like, sad because I, I I you know I people learn about movies in school now, you know, and I I don't think the time will come soon, but I think games will get there one day. I think so. Yeah. I don't think but, they'll ever, you know, they'll never take the place of literature. You know, you watch a couple movies and analyze them in school. And I think maybe, you know, you'll play a game or something, maybe. But you it's know? just unfortunate that, like, and, and yeah, maybe in the future this will be, like, an archaic forgotten discussion. But it's just, but for now, like, and granted, you know, video games overall are a very new form of media. Especially yeah. compared to the contemporaries we mentioned, like, you know, obviously books and movies and etc it, just, it but, makes me think still, of when they it's it's there's no it, it it it's unfortunate that the leaders of this industry are making no concerted effort to preserve its history it's they really aren't concerned about that no. which you know like obviously you know like the movie industry is the same like 
you know, obviously Hollywood exists to make money, but like movies are never, I shouldn't say never, but like movies aren't lost to, to time because of some arbitrary reason, you know, like they're not like, Oh, you should buy this. You well, know, there is the Disney vault. Disney. Yeah. Disney's kind of like an exception to that. And I, I almost but think Nintendo Disney, is like probably they're, doing they're putting the everything on Disney's throwing everything on Disney plus now. Right. It, are they? I don't like Disney. So yeah, <laughs> I think they are. I don't like classic Disney very much, so I haven't seen much of it. But yeah, it is a unique problem to video games, though, like because it's like a willful opposition to it almost. Like it, it, it's it would not be the end of the world. It would not eat into Sony's profits by any noticeable amount for them to maintain the Vita store and the PlayStation Three store. Like it really wouldn't. What's what's this is like totally a side tangent, but I I I haven't looked at it yet, but I've heard that the new PlayStation Store that you can like access from your browser is objectively worse in like every way than the old one. Like it's just totally unusable. Like you can't buy DLC from the store page anymore. Like yeah, I I've never I don't think I've ever used the browser store. I only use use the console store, so I don't really have a comment on that. But I typically prefer to use the browser store if I can because you can type out game names and stuff, but I don't yeah, use that makes PlayStation products much. Yeah. And I, I guess the only silver lining to this, people were worried about this, but like you the download lists will still work. So like some server functionality is still there, right? And that's like what they're kills still me paying because, for that. Yeah, right? if that's that's the expensive part, is like hosting the games and allowing the downloads and stuff. So like the it, fact that yeah. they're still doing that is weird honestly the fact that they're still doing that just tells me that they want people to move forward they don't want people stuck in the past like whether they want to or not like they want to force people onto the newer consoles which i mean it's gonna bite them eventually because like there are people like me who will not play the newest entry in a game series without playing every game leading up to it first or at least trying every game i didn't play Devil May Cry 2 sue me that game was terrible but (laughs) But yeah, like so just to make this clear for everyone, like your PS3 games and PS Vita games that you own, you can still like delete them from your consoles and then re-download them later. For now. When, yeah, for now. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, Sony might that would be that would be much worse than this, I think. Because then it would straight up just be like your money evaporating. Like the the, the games you bought, you can no longer access. And that that deserves a lot more uh kicking and screaming i think if and when that happens yeah i agree yeah i yeah yeah i don't know my dad used to talk to me about that a lot when i first started playing pc games because uh that was like the first platform to go mostly digital and buying games on steam and everything super convenient you can download them to all your different devices and everything but uh you know if valve ever decides that a game is gone that game is gone. I yeah. just don't have it anymore. You know, I don't think that'll ever happen. I think Valve is has infinite money and will just keep doing what they're doing. But yeah, I don't think there's an example we can point to yet of that happening. But I fear for the day that does happen because I, I mean feel there are like... games that have just disappeared before. Like that's that's nothing new. Deadpool disappeared. You can't buy it anywhere anymore, and it was only available on PC for like a month um scott pilgrim versus the world not available anymore i guess i'm talking about more about like entire swaths of games like maybe a certain like generation or something yeah but uh i mean there's nowhere there's nowhere modern you can buy 
NES games right now. Like, you can play the, like, what, 40 or so that yeah, are on... Yeah, the Paltry selection... Well, it's, I shouldn't say that. They have a pretty nice selection of games. I, I mean, compared to the greater library, it's pretty paltry. Like, there are good games in there, but there were a lot of games on the NES. Like, a ton of games. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I... My personal collection is bigger. Yeah, I really just don't understand what's stopping Nintendo from being, like, hey, these 40 games you have for free... But if you want to buy more NES games, just pay us. Like, they don't even offer that option. Yeah, and it's weird because <laughs> yeah. the emulator is clearly very functional. Nintendo yeah. is not, like, selling you anything where there could be any problem at all, though. And I kind of respect that. But, like, having to pay QA testers to test every game in your emulator, which I don't doubt that they're doing, kind of sucks. I mean, Microsoft went to that length, right? They they paid to have every single Xbox and 360 game tested. Yeah. Right. They they well, went. There are that. a lot fewer Xbox and Xbox That's 360 true. That's games very than true. there are NES games. Yeah. The NES library is just insane. Yeah, but I think you know, like the broader discussion about like preserving games. Like I I watched a fascinating little documentary by IGN on. Uh, PlayStation Home of all things. Do you guys remember that? I do. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was like VR chat before VR chat. Yeah, it was actually kind of like revolutionary for its time, right? Like it was like a digital space where people could interact, and that wasn't really a thing at the time. Yeah, outside but, of like MMOs. Yeah, outside of MMOs, but this was just like dedicated to like socializing virtually. But you know, Sony eventually pulled the plug on that, and. Uh, now there's no way to access PlayStation Home, and this little docu- like 20 minute documentary talked about like a really dedicated group of players, who who you know loved PlayStation Home so much they were trying to bring it back by any means necessary, and like they were going through like the cached files of their PlayStation Home app and stuff like that, trying to like reverse engineer Home, and like there was one guy who's like recreating PlayStation Home in Dreams and actually like got pretty far and like the only missing component right now is the multiplayer which i don't think dreams has multiplayer yet so he's waiting for that to get implemented but like it's just i watched that and like i respected those individuals who were pursuing something you know bringing back something they were passionate about but at the same time i was just thinking like why do they even have to do this in the first place you know like Uh, yeah well that that brings up an even so so the developer uh, not developers fans of Toontown did the same thing. There's a this Toontown rewritten now, which is a private server that they totally rebuilt from the ground up, and it's totally free to play. I'm pretty sure. And uh, are you guys? I I know you are. Mike. Yeah. I've joked about it before, but Toontown yeah. it's a uh, it's like an old Disney MMO. I, we actually have met the guys who worked on it. That was a Shell Games thing. Right. Is that is that going to be our first game talk plays? Uh, we're just going to play Toontown. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. We'll, we'll we'll get into that later. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I. But that that makes me think of other MMOs and stuff like Maple Story Two servers are down in the U.S. That didn't even last a year. That's not yeah. a game I'm ever going to be nostalgic for. But then you look at like the original Maple Story or even Fortnite. There are versions of those games. That are just gone. Like there are MapleStory private servers and stuff mm-hmm. because like MapleStory had such significant changes to its map. Instead of just adding things, they actually like removed areas and changed them so catastrophically that like 
when I play it now, it's not really nostalgic anymore because the version of it I played is completely gone. Yeah. And, and I uh, suppose, I don't know, like, that I sort of understand more because it's just, like, an evolution rather than right, just... Right, it's interesting, and I'm glad yeah. they do it, but it does make me sad. I don't know, there's so much in life that you only get to experience while it's happening and never again, and then to just unnecessarily add to that seems like a, a strange thing to do. Like It's a strange thing, especially because, like, again, it's not really a thing in other forms of entertainment. Right, like, if I watch The Dark Knight now, it's the same The Dark Knight. Well, actually, Star Wars, Star Wars has changed a lot. Star, yeah, Star Wars is a weird <laughs> exception. But, but uh, uh, yeah, you know, if I watch almost any movie Because I, I don't think anyone can, like, you still can't watch the theatrical versions of, like, the original movies, right? Like, yeah, officially? Yeah, I don't think so, yeah. There's, like, <laughs> which, okay, yeah, Star Wars is a weird one, but... But yeah, I mean, it's so weird that they uh, took out the original Darth Vader actor from that scene at the ending of uh, episode six. That's so weird. Yeah, George Lucas really likes uh, Hayden Christensen. Is that his name? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's a whole tangent. But like, this isn't me. But I guarantee there are people who played Fort. Like, if I fired up Fortnite right now, I'm pretty sure the map would be wholly unrecognizable to me, even though I played quite a bit back in the day. And oh like, God, that game moves so fast. That map's just gone. Like, I'll never see it again. And that doesn't bother me particularly, but I bet that, you know, there are a lot of kids growing up on Fortnite, and they're going to they're gonna miss that stuff. You know, they're going to be nostalgic for Tomato Town or whatever someday. <laughs> yeah. Someday soon. Nostalgia hits fast these days. Yeah, and I get that, like, I, I feel like a lot of this episode might just be yelling into the void. Like, I get that, like, this is bothering, like, a minority of people, a vocal minority, of which I am a part, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, because because at yeah. the end of the day, people really mostly care about, like, what's current and what's, you know, popular right now. And I get that, right? Like, I get the fact that, like, you know, that's where the money is. That's where most of the interest is. But I do think, you know, just it, from a historical perspective, it's important to not forget where we came from. Yeah, I think it's, um, are you guys familiar with the Internet Archive? That's like a, that's like a, essentially a library online. No, what's that? Yes. It's just, it's just a library online that like has a bunch of files and stuff. But, um, most retro consoles have their entire library, uh, put into the Internet Archive by fans and you can download those in their completion, which is arguably piracy i really don't know because it's a library i don't really know what the rules are there but i really do think at some point like i really wish that there was a statute of limitations on on a game like 10 years after release this game is just free to whoever you know like, because are you really making money? Yeah, on it and maybe not even ten years, right? Like, let's say even twenty. Twenty, I'd be fine with. Right? Yeah, twenty like, years would be fine, but that that would put a lot of, you know, somebody's got to keep those files, you know, from disappearing for twenty years. Yeah, and we have had cases, you know, like not. Yeah, source code not, gets lost. Yeah, code gets lost all the time, and you know, which means games get lost. So yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no real. Again, because we're not, as an industry, really focused on preserving our legacy titles, like, that's a common occurrence for code to get lost, so. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't really have any noble reason for retro game collection. You know, I don't grab any rare games and dump them online or anything. I just, I don't know, there's something about putting an NES cartridge into an NES, hitting play and sitting down and like playing on the original I mean, controller. Yeah, I it mean, it's different. For me, it's just as simple as like, hey, I in the mood for this game that I played way back in the day, like 20 years ago or something. And like, I should, there, there be, able are to, a few, I should um, be able to just play that, you know, like same as like, if I want to watch like a movie that came out in the eighties, like I shouldn't have yeah. to go through hoops to watch that. I could, should just be able to like I buy it digitally Netflix. or like yeah. a physical copy off Amazon or something, you know? There are some weird cases though. Like Nintendo has released the retro consoles, right? And uh, right, yeah. the selection on those really isn't that different from what's on NES on or uh, NES uh, from Nintendo Switch Online. But uh, you can very easily plug these into your computer and add games to them. What's really strange about that is that Nintendo did not officially support adding games to these, but they did leave messages. And I, you know, this was probably not the higher ups at Nintendo that leaving these messages. But there were strings left in the code that the hackers found that were like, you know, have fun with this and like, you know, enjoy cool. your blast from the past and stuff. So, like, there's clearly internal support somewhere. You know, I, I don't believe they actually made it any easier to hack, although these things were hacked like day one. You were able to add new games to the NES yeah, Classic. Yeah, but I feel like NES, it'd, be, it'd be really easy for an engineer to sneak in messages like that because, like, the executives who make the decisions... Yeah, they're not writing like, your source. Yeah, they're not yeah. reading source code, so... Yeah. Yeah, I'm, Yeah. so it's it's hard to say. Yeah, honestly. I don't know. Like, I, I, I like to remain optimistic, and I hope, like, you know, the state of PC gaming as it is right now, plus Microsoft, it Microsoft's, like, really aggressive initiative to, to just have everyone be able to play every game on their platform i, I think also the signs the, that like we're pushing towards like game preservation being more the norm but who knows especially how common pc ports are now you know you get a pc port that game's never going away anymore you know yeah, yeah. so i don't know it's it's only really i think the big like the dam holding back the flood is sony and nintendo yeah if those two caved, then I feel like we'd see a radical shift in the way preservation is treated in this industry. Yeah. But, yeah, we'll see if that ever happens. I hope so. I really hope so. There are a lot of games you just can't play anymore. Because they're either super rare or they never got a digital re-release. Yeah, or at least a lot of games you can't play anymore without pirating. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and if even you're willing then, to uh, put on your eye patch, uh, a lot of these limitations <laughs> go away. And even then, some games are so like obscure, especially from my childhood, because I played a lot of bargain big games that they well, just also, never got emulated. Yeah, nobody cared enough to dump them. Yeah. <laughs> There's um, there is uh, Nintendo has a tendency. I don't know that Sony does this so much. I've never really had problems finding uh, PlayStation ROMs. But Nintendo tends to like go really aggressive against uh against you know retro emulation sites and stuff and ROM oh, distribution yeah. sites, which like yeah those sites are illegal like they are we get it but like you're not selling this game to me like <laughs> if you're not gonna give me a way to buy the game and you're gonna take down the the way for me to get the game for free do you really 
do you do you personally, Nintendo, want me to go out and buy a cartridge at a yard sale? Does that really make you feel better? Like, yeah, no, it's so weird. Like the anti-emulation stance for like games that have not gotten a re-release since the Wii. Yeah, yeah I, I think the from their perspective, the only reason maybe that they would be so staunch in that is that they don't want it to set a precedent. Like yeah. if someone, you know, emulates like an older title, what's to stop them from being like, hey, maybe I could emulate Switch games too. And yeah, then that can't. directly impacts their business, you know? So yeah. I think they just want to put a stop to just it. just distribute the games themselves. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like we will give them money we really will yeah a lot of people want to play the original paper mario oh my god i can't right now because the only way to do it is to dig up a cartridge i would pay disgusting amounts of money for a paper mario re-release really the original paper mario i love the original paper mario so much i i figured you would be more of a thousand year door guy oh i mean yeah that's the best one for sure but Hmm. but both of those games hold a very very special place in my heart I never finished the first Paper Mario, but I was a child, and I don't have my Wii with me here. Actually, my Wii is like the only... My Wii and the Wii U are the only Nintendo consoles I don't have. I left my Wii at home uh, when I moved out and uh, sold my Wii U like a fool. Yeah, why would yeah you that, thing's gonna be, uh, that thing's going to be rare here soon. Yeah. Collector's item. Yeah. That's one okay. of the unlucky few that bought a Wii U. Yeah, I know. It sucks. Yeah, N- Nintendo, like, I don't know, like, Nintendo's re-releasing a lot of Wii U games on Switch, and granted, that's because the Wii U didn't sell well, but... Yeah, I was gonna say, that's not that's not out of the goodness of their heart. Yeah. They're just trying to make up for lost revenue on those games. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, I don't know. I'm probably definitely being naive here, but it, it'd be really hard for me to see, like, you know... PlayStation 6 comes out, and suddenly you can't play any PS4 games on it. Or, like, you can't, you know, like, they shut down the PS4 store or whatever. Because, like, everything is sort of converged on PC architecture, and there's really sort of no reason anymore, you know? Like, games should be able to carry over from this point onward. From the yeah. from from the PS4 Xbox One generation onwards, games should persist. We'll see but we, we have no happens. guarantee that architecture is not going to change drastically, you know? We don't. But, you know, I don't Technology know. Technology like could take it a... I don't know. Maybe quantum computing really becomes a thing and then everything changes, but... I don't know if that applies to <laughs> games. I really don't know. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. Any other thoughts on game preservation? Uh, I think it's super interesting when the source code of old games leaks as well. I know Nintendo's not happy about it, but... Uh, the fact that people can poke around the source code of Super Mario 64 now is incredible. Yeah, and like Pokemon Red and Blue as well, right? Yeah, I, well, I think Pokemon Red and Blue, uh, they got disassembled by fans. Like, fans, I don't know that the source code ever got leaked for that. Fans actually uh, went through the assembly painstakingly by hand and uh, decided what everything That's was crazy. doing. Yeah. Or they went through the machine code and turned it back into assembly. A bunch of Zelda games also leaked, or am I thinking of something else? Maybe. I I haven't actually gone through any of the source code or anything, because... Yeah. I don't know. I have played a couple of ports that people made a Super Mario 64 after. And that's another interesting thing, is that when source code gets released like that, you you get these modern ports. Like, it was like... Not very long at all before we had, like, a 3DS port of Super Mario 64 and a PC port, you know, running at 60 frames per second and stuff. And yeah. Mario with gun. Yeah, yeah. 
Important, important distinction. Timeless. I I would love for games to go open, like not just you know not just be available after twenty years, but go open source after twenty years. I think that'd be awesome. But you know the odds of the source code even still existing for a lot of these games is slim. You know a lot of these studios have closed down. Yeah, and I think one maybe final note here is that like it's not too late, right? Like in the grand scheme of things, in the in the in the big picture here, like what gaming's been around for. In a big way, 40 like, years. Yeah, like less than half a century, right? Like, like if we still like if we started making a concerted effort now to preserve games, like, like the most of the industry can still remain intact for the future generations. So, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think another thing about games preservation is, especially with PS3 shutting down a store, a lot of ancient PS1 games that were re-released to the PS3. That's their fastest version. So a lot of speedrunners or potential speedrunners are losing out on an avenue to actually be competitive. Yeah, a lot of uh, the PS Vita versions uh, as well for the, the PS TV. Uh, that's where a lot of people speedrun Spyro 3 that I was looking at. That's the fastest version is the PS yeah. TV one. Like Ratchet and Clank speedrunners, they all use the PS3 versions of the first four games because yeah. they are the buggiest and the fastest versions. <laughs> And I'm literally seeing talks in the Discord right now of them trying to scrambling to find ways to still get the games now. Yeah. Even if they're a little less than legal. Yeah, I mean that's what that's what I mean, you're driven to. Yeah. At that point you don't have any options really. Yeah. So. Yeah, I will never look down on somebody for pirating retro games. Not not really. Especially because even when these games are re released, like you're going to sell me Castlevania 1, 2, and 3 for $50? Like, really? I don't think it was actually $50. I think it was, like, 30 But still, like, I could buy the three cartridges for 15 Like, Yeah. Yeah. But that's just, that's an instance of, like, Nintendo knowing the price of nostalgia. Castlevania is not Nintendo. That is... Oh, sorry, Konami? Yeah, Konami. Yeah, yeah which, yeah. Konami... <laughs> Gosh, yeah, Konami can get their own episode one of these days. Yeah. No, they they would if they still made video games. Yeah. And not weird pachinko gotcha things. Uh, I don't know that we have any place to call pachinko weird, having never been to Japan. But true, true. I I uh I don't know enough about the culture. But still, these are the guys who made Metal Gear Solid. Well, it's the company that enabled the guys to make yeah, Metal Gear that's Solid. True. That's true. Yeah. So, Silent Hill, like they, I don't know. Konami has a very illustrious yeah. reputation. They, they don't seem interested in run away. Yeah. Yeah, they don't seem interested in that at all. So. And they made Metal Gear survive. God. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Okay, Connor, what what have you been playing? I actually want to give a shout out real quick. Uh, friend, good friend of the show, Ryan Kubik has released his uh, first game on Steam today. It is called Wildfire Swap. It's, uh, I think it's on sale for $9 today, maybe $8. Uh, I doubt it will be by the time this episode comes out, but you should still check it out. It's a neat little puzzle game where you move these tiles around to uh, prevent a fire from spreading to houses. Uh, he's been working on it for a couple years now. I've been following the development. Uh, it's not necessarily my thing, uh, I'm not a big puzzle game guy, but I'm definitely going to play it a little bit after the podcast. I picked it up earlier today. 
Yes, great, uh, great mention, Connor. Yeah, yeah. Congrats, uh, Ryan. I know you're. Yeah, huge, this. huge milestone for him. Super exciting. Uh, anyway, uh, I have been playing two games this week mostly. Uh, the first that I really want to talk about is Enter the Gungeon. Uh, this game, I bought it when it first came out. Uh, I bought it on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, since then, I've also received it for free on uh, on PC on the Epic Game Store. I believe it was given away, and also it is free on PlayStation right now for the Play at Home initiative or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and I mention that because you probably already have this game uh, and just haven't played it yet. And I, I really, even if you did play it when it came out, like me, I implore you to go back and try it again because it has gotten a ton of updates that made it way better. I uh, I totally bounced off this game when it first came out, and I wrote it off as like a worse version of The Binding of Isaac. It's a it's a roguelite that takes place in a a place called the Gungeon, and in the Gungeon, everything is guns or ammo or something. Like most of the enemies you're fighting are little bullets running around shooting you with guns that shoot other bullets at you. <laughs> there are guns you can find, like tons of references to different um <clears throat> different guns throughout other media, like. Uh, one of the characters you can play as is called the Marine, and he's clearly like a mix between Doom Guy and Master Chief to me. And uh, you can find like the energy pistol from Halo, and it's just a charged pistol that you can shoot with. But uh, you can also upgrade it into the plasma rifle from Halo. And this this game's just full of references. There's there's also just a bunch of very realistic, I mean, not realistic, it's still a cartoony game, but realistic styled guns. Like, you can just find a Tommy gun, you can find an AK-47, you can find a, an M1, like, but but mixed in with that, there's a water gun that damages enemies, and there's the letter R that shoots words at enemies. Like, it's it's an extremely goofy game. Yeah, I, just, I'm glad you, you brought this up because I think I played Enter the Gungeon way back when it first came out, and I played it for a little bit, and then I dropped it. But now hearing that you're saying that it, it's really revamped, and so the fact I'm gonna that it's tell you, right now. Because yeah. it's small changes, in my opinion, that really made it better. When I played it originally, I thought it was a worse version of The Binding of Isaac because I felt like it had all these extremely cool guns, but you never... If you, you never got to shoot them because ammo was so scarce in the initial release. Like, I I think I've actually talked about it on the show before when it first came out. But um, it just, like, ammo drops were just extremely rare, in my opinion, back then. And there are two reasons that ammo drops are, are more common for me now. One is that I've heard that they actually rebalanced the game in some updates and stuff. It's had, like, three major updates, I think. There was, like... Advanced Gungeons and Dragons and Farewell to Arms are the only two I can remember, and those added like new characters, new guns, new floors, and everything. Because um, it's a roguelite, you know, it's got secret floors and like secret endings and stuff. But uh, also, and when they did that, they increased the amount of ammo that you can get, basically, and they also added a bunch of guns. Uh, and you know, the more guns there are in the game, the more likely you are to find a gun that has a lot of ammo. And, like, be able to finish a run. So the game's gotten a little easier. The other reason is that I was so afraid to use my ammo that I would only use the starting gun that has infinite ammo. Because I was using the starting gun, I would perform poorly. (laughs) And the game rewards you for playing well. The more rooms that you clear, 
every room you clear and don't take a hit actually raises a secret stat called coolness. And um, your coolness is basically the likelihood of you getting a drop in the next room. And uh, it drops back down to its base level as soon as you get a drop. So you can't like stack that infinitely and just get a bunch of ammo. And, and you don't have to clear consecutive rooms. It's just clearing a room without getting hit. And so, like, using the better guns and clearing a room better means that you're going to find ammo for those guns and do better. So playing better makes the game easier, kind of. And just all of that has just, like, like knowing that has made the game totally turn around for me. I've, um, I've beaten it three times now, uh, two of which I killed the past for two different characters, which is, like, the main goal of the game. The Gungeon has a gun at the bottom that can kill the past, and doing kill that is, like... Kill the past. Yeah, you, you, you pick up the gun, you have to get the gun, and then you also have to get a bunch of secret stuff around the Gungeon to make a special bullet. So you have to have the bullet that can kill the past, that goes into the gun that can kill the past, and then you actually get to play, like, a special character-specific boss encounter, basically. And they're fun. They're kind of like victory laps, though. They're not very hard, and they don't actually let you use the items you collected along the way. They're, like, totally scripted. But it's really cool. It's just a super fun game. I've been having so much fun with it. I've I've played quite a few runs. I, I have been playing it on the Switch, even though I have it on PC, which I kind of regret, uh, because the frame rate does drop, and, like, like, the final boss, there's a lot of bullets moving around the screen, and it drops the frame rate a little, and it, you know, as a PC gamer, that makes my blood boil. And the only reason I don't Switch is because the other... Uh, my biggest issue with this game is that even though I've beaten it a few times now, I do not think I would be able to beat it on PC if I switched over, because the initial pool of guns is not very good. Uh, like, they're just not very powerful. You earn credits as you play the game that you can use to buy new guns, and those guns appear in the gungeon in the future. So, like, y your odds of winning go up as you buy better and better guns, and I don't like that very much. I don't like roguelikes that you can't like 100% in one playthrough very much. I I definitely pr I mean not 100% like I don't need to be able to get every item, but to beat, you mean? Yeah, like I mean you can you definitely can beat it with the original item pool, but you unlock a lot of cooler items as you go and more powerful items. And I just don't think the balance on that initial pool is very good. Cuz like the the guns I always see people ignoring. I've watched a few streamers play, and like when I first started watching them, this this was what actually got me back into the game. I was watching some videos on it, and uh, I was like, man, I've never seen any of these guns that they're taking before, and any of the guns I have seen before, they pass up because they're not very good. <laughs> and that just frustrates me a little bit. But it's not too many runs before you start getting the good guns. And frankly, if you're starting the game fresh, you were not going to win anyway. Uh, but yeah, anyway, I, think, I, I, I gotta we'll get this to give that one. Uh, give it another shot. Yeah, I I would love to. I would love to have somebody to talk about it with. Uh, my my other friend that plays a lot of roguelites is working on his PhD right now and does not have time to play video games with me. Feels bad. Yeah. So super fun. Probably like an eight out of ten for me. Very good. Very good game. And also just like the humor hits just right for me. I think it's very funny. It's got some gallows humor. It's got uh, stupid puns with the guns and stuff. It uh, it plays with your expectations a lot. Like 
there's a gun that looks exactly like an AK-47, which is a pretty good gun. But then you pick it up and it's called the JK-47 and it like flops around like a wet noodle and shoots really slow. <laughs> <laughs> it's just stupid. Oh, and they in one of the updates, they added synergies too, which for anybody familiar with Binding of Isaac, you'll know what that is. But basically it's like two guns or an item and a gun that when you have them both, their function changes a little bit and usually they get way more powerful. Gungeon did not have that on release, but it was added later, and that's huge. Like, that's how you upgrade the plasma pistol into the, or the energy pistol into the plasma rifle, is by getting what's called Master Rounds, which is an item that normally just increases your health. But uh, the synergy is called Chief Master. <laughs> if you get Very funny. the Master Round and the energy pistol, you get the plasma rifle. So, lots of cool stuff you can do there. Uh, the Master Rounds are actually achieved by beating a boss without taking any damage. Which is, it, it, it's very difficult at first, but like, you know, the bosses are the same every time. So, the, or not, there's like a select pool of bosses. So, you can learn their patterns and it becomes very possible to beat them without taking damage. It's a good game. It's a very good game. You do, it's probably, well, I don't know, I've beaten it and I haven't beaten Hades. I want to say it's harder than Hades. Because uh, I definitely tried more in Gungeon than I did with Hades. And, like, your starting point never gets better like it does in Hades. You, you're you always starting with your three hearts, your one or two guns. You know, that never changes, really. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, I like it a lot. Uh, I have another game I want to talk about, but I'll, I'll wait until the end. Okay. Uh, Mike? Uh, well, I haven't been playing any games because I bought an Oculus Quest, and, uh, I got zucked. I got zucked hard. So, yeah. out of the box, the controller, the thing works fine. It goes into standby mode, and my right controller now no longer tracks. I've gone through every single technical support step that I possibly could. Still doesn't work. Now I'm currently in the battle with, uh... With Oculus support to try and get me a new controller. <laughs> yeah, that that's really unfortunate. So, Mike, is this your first experience with VR? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so that's yeah, that's a terrible first impression. Like that's the uh, first day, the first day I got the headset, both the controller stopped working and my SSD corrupted Windows. So, oh my gosh, that's a bad I had day. a whole lot of stuff to do that day. But now everything works. I still had my backup hard drive, so I only lost maybe a week of anything I was doing, which is fine. I lost some music projects. Oh, well, that that's sucks. fine. They were like early conception stages. I'm glad you had a backup. I I don't yeah. run backups. I you know I I back up my like game projects and stuff to uh, GitHub and stuff. But if if my hard drive or SSD crashed, I would have a bad day. <laughs> It, I only have a backup because I cloned for my old hard drive, so I still have my old hard drive sitting in the background. That is smart. So, it worked out, but I have been playing some games in VR, which are games I've already been playing, but I played Red Out in VR last night, and oh man, it, that's an experience. Like a what, super What's Red Out? Is that a racing game? Yeah, it's, a, it's like a modern wipeout. It's super fast. Very, like, seat-of-your-pants racing. Yeah, I don't know if I could handle racing in VR. Oh, man. That'd be... 
It I feel like it'd be easy to get motion sick. I didn't get motion sick. Surprisingly, red out balances itself pretty well. Like I ran. Yeah, a couple you'd kind of be surprised what you can handle, because like I tried out Star Wars Squadrons on Game Pass and VR the other day, thinking I would not last very long at, in in a fast paced dogfight in VR, but I actually had a really good time. Yeah, you know, no, I, I had to stop eventually. Is easy. No, what made me motion sick was play, sick was playing Phasmophobia in VR. Yup. And moving with it, you. Yep. I was just falling over. It was you have not to do fun. The teleportation. It's. I've not done the tele- I actually learned how to handle the movement, but there were still some indications of me falling to the ground in front of people. <laughs> yeah, it's but, phasmophobia in VR is hard. You have to have an iron stomach. It's tough. It, it wasn't making me nauseous, more as like messing with my sense of balance, hmm. which sucks, but eh. I'd rather have that than motion sickness. I hate being motion sick. Yeah, it, it really just ruins my day when I get motion sick from VR. I'm once I get a new controller, I'm probably gonna. Honestly, I'm probably just gonna buy a new controller from Oculus. Yeah, you should definitely try and get them to replace it. I feel like they'll do it. I, they're working on it. Yeah. Uh, but I'm definitely gonna buy more involved VR games. Yeah. Uh, did you get the stuff to hook it up to your PC as well? Oh yeah. No, I bought Good. like a cheap yeah. controller or a cheap cable. Yeah. Works fine. I figured it would. And. uh yeah, you got. Of course, you did. You said you were playing Phasmophobia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. You'll have a good time. There are a lot of. You got to play Super Hot. You got to play Beat Saber. I think Beat Super Hot. I don't think it's up there. Maybe Super Hot might be up there. I think Blade and Saucer is going to be one of my pickup. Maybe uh, Project Wingman or VTOL VR. Because I, I, like I think my... you'll like uh, another Shell Games uh, shout out here. Uh, I expect you to die. That one's really fun. Yeah, I have to try that out too. It's short though. It's pretty short. Well, it's not. They've added some levels to it, so it's probably. It, it felt short when I got it. It felt a little short uh, for the price, but I bet it's probably pretty fair now. I think it's like twenty dollars, and it has like seven levels or something that'll take you various amounts of time to complete. It's weird. I tried playing Elite Dangerous, but the controls were super weird, and I couldn't actually select anywhere to jump to. Mm-hmm. So I think I'd have to like do some troubleshooting because Oculus VR does not work that well with Steam VR. And there's a little idiosyncrasies. Yeah. Like everything. Use, yeah. The more layers my, of compatibility you add, the more idiosyncrasies you're going to get. Yeah, yeah. To use my gamepad or my PlayStation 4 controller, I had to make it appear in my Windows as an Xbox 360 controller. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah, if you're so, trying to use a PlayStation controller as well, you're just adding so many compatibility layers. Yeah. And Steam VR will sometimes will take my mouse support away from me sometimes, even in the elite which doesn't make sense yeah considering that the vr interface was super hard to navigate yep it kept keyboard focus but i could not select anything on the map because i think it was trying to use like head tracking or something to select things and was super inconsistent yeah i've had i've run into that issue as well the the software side is still not perfect on vr i think if i'm gonna play elite dangerous vr i'm gonna get a hotus yeah, that, I mean that's that's the dream, right? <laughs> yeah, that's I'll get a full setup for that. But but that's that's not well. It can be cheap. I have a I have a joystick I got for like fifteen dollars that I used to play Kerbal Space Program with, and that's arguably Hotus. But yeah, I think I'm gonna check out VTOL VR, which is a flight sim that uses mostly uh, motion controllers. Yeah, that's cool. 
So yeah, something about out. just being able to like poke around at stuff like in a ship cockpit. It's it's really simple in No Man's Sky, but the fact that I can actually like grab onto stuff in the cockpit is huge. Yeah, yeah. no, that is <clears throat> big for immersion. Yeah. Uh, so many VR games I want to play. I have so little money, but so many games. Yeah, it's really going to be something you drip feed yourself, you know? It, it kind of yeah. has to be. So I have a question. What is... it? Is the Oculus Rift, like, discontinued now, or is it, like, a different line? The uh, Rift S is the last version, and I... Honestly, there's no reason to buy the Rift S over the Quest 2. Yeah, people don't really like the Rift S. It tracks a little worse, I think, than the Quest 2. And it tracks way worse than the original Oculus Rift, but it has better resolution. The Quest 2 is everything the Oculus Rift S does, but better. Better resolution, better tracking, better frame rate. Yeah, I I do think that they're... Yeah, the Rift S was only 80 hertz, wasn't it? Yeah. Wow, that's awful. You can also use virtual desktop to do wireless VR through PC. On the Quest 2, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay, I, so... Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and also the Rift S is more expensive, I think, than the, the Rift 2. Yeah, I uh, think the Rift S is like $100 more expensive. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah the Rift S is 400 bucks, I think, and the Quest 2 is 300 for the cheapest model. Like, I'm not mad about my Quest 2. I mean, other than the fact that the controller is broken, that's... Yeah, the only reason I don't have a Quest 2 right now is uh, Facebook. I don't like that. I don't like the Facebook integration. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Ever since you guys, we mentioned uh, the Quest on the previous podcast, I've actually been looking into it, and now I kind of want a Quest as well. So I might look into that here yeah, soon. Yeah, VR is super affordable now. Like, Yeah, I, 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 yeah I'm $300 for a, a very nice headset. Is yeah, that's that's crazy like, to me. Top yeah. of the line headset. Like the Valve Index is a thousand, but the Valve Index really doesn't offer that much past. Yeah, I was gonna say the compromises Quest you make two. with a Quest Two are not very big, and also like the bonuses you get are huge. Like yeah. the the ability to like just take your headset to a friend's house if you want to play Beat Saber somewhere else. Yeah. Like as long like, as yeah. I buy it through uh, Oculus <clears throat> Store, yeah, yeah. I can play Beat Saber anywhere. Yeah. It's harder to mod, but not impossible. You can also, and you can sideload stuff on an Oculus Quest. Yeah. That's one nice thing. They, it's like sort of locked down, but not that locked down. Yeah, they so, have an app called SideQuest. You can sideload stuff. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah, they basically locked it down just enough that you won't do it on accident. <laughs> like it's it's idiot proofed mostly. The more I read about the Quest too, the more impressed I get, and the more shocked I am. <clears throat> just. At Facebook's sort of uh, VR initiative in general, they really seem to yeah, believe in VR. Not, they're not making any money on that hardware. They can't be. I, okay. I do like the fact that I don't have to set up like sense complex arrays of sensors in the corners of my room. I can just yeah. I can literally just walk out to my living room with a headset on and play VR. Yeah, yeah I, and I think that. that's have you that's tried virtual desktop saying, by the way, Mike? No, I have not yet because I, I I can't. I may have to if or I'm yeah you know, hell I'll buy it, but uh, I'd really like to come over and try that once vaccines and stuff are set up because like I don't know people talk about the latency and stuff and like they say like yeah it's there but it doesn't bother me and like I don't understand how that can be possible in VR so like I would need to try it for myself. Yeah, I'd need to get it. Yeah, yeah, I've been doing direct hookup and that yeah. works perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. 
The most impressive thing to me is that like Facebook seems to be solving the most common complaint against VR is in that it's just like a hassle to set up and maintain. Yeah, it is. So, I mean, the, I, although the cable, this is something I don't hear people talk about much, but the cable is such a point of failure on a headset. My my cable on my headset is starting to go bad. Like I have yep. to wiggle it around sometimes to get the headset going. And that sucks. I mean, mine's not the most expensive headset in the world, but like these cables get stepped on. And like you look at a Quest 2, you can play it without a cable for one thing, but also it's a USB-C cable. You can replace it for like $20 or something, you know? You do need a certain kind of cable. Yeah, not but just like any it's high-speed USB-C. Yeah, but still it's not like there's no replacement cable for mine, you yeah. know? When when the cable goes bad on my headset, I throw the thing out. Like there's nothing I can do. I think my cable cost me 22-ish dollars. Yeah, so that's not too bad. You know, that yeah. fails. You're not you're not short a headset. You're just short. Yeah, I could just buy a new cable. Or or play it standalone. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's wild to me that Facebook is the one here uh pushing VR forward. Because they have John so. Carmack. Yeah. Anywhere it, John, John Carmack, Carmack is goes. the hero among men. Mm-hmm. But like I just letting Facebook into any more of my life is upsetting. It like, if there's one man that's going to co- uncover that we're all in a simulation or in the Matrix, it's going to be John Carmack. Yeah, that man just himself. speaks techno. That man just is techno babble. Mm-hmm. I'd love to meet him. I'd love to meet him, too. He's like even reading his Twitter is like this profound technical insight. Every every tweet. It's either that or like, man, I really wish the Oculus team didn't do this. <laughs> yeah because there was that but the only downside with the quest is that the battery will still drain while i'm using it while plugged in oh really yeah it'll drain really slow but it'll still drain yeah that's a because shame. of the power it uses yeah because it does a lot of the processing in headset which is really right. nice it does all the tracking and stuff yeah 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 because the way the way the streaming works i think is actually like not just streaming video. Like, I think it's more complicated than that. I think it's, like, almost streaming the environment, sort of. I think it streams, like, the data, and then the uh, the Rift does all, like, the... Because pro- my headset will still get super hot. I think it yeah. does all the graphics encoding in headset. Yeah, there's definitely... I mean, it definitely utilizes the GPU in your computer. I don't know. There's, I, there's something weird to it. I have to do some benchmarking. Because I know... Well, I know you still need a high-end computer to yeah. run. Yeah. So I, you know, it's weird. It's very weird. But I, I, they have to do a lot of it on the headset. Otherwise, the latency would be so bad. I don't know. It's magic is what it is. It's VR magic. Anyway, what have you been playing, Ahmed? So uh, the main thing is The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. Yeah. I haven't been playing too many games this week, but I have cleared, I think, three dungeons in the Dark World. So I'm a decent chunk into... I think you're farther than I ever got now. Yeah, so the last dungeon I cleared was like in the in the forest where the Master Sword is. Yeah, I think you can do a few of those. The what? I think you can do a few of those out of order in that game. Yeah. So... I, I, I've been following the order like on the map screen, so... Oh, okay. Yeah, I forgot so, that's numbered. Yeah, I did number three. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a masterpiece that hasn't changed. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a... Uh, it's an incredible game. It's shocking to me that this came out like way back when it did, and it it is the 
the the progenitor of the Zelda games as we know them. So yeah, and it did it better than a lot of its uh, contemporaries. Yeah. So I'm still playing that. I have started another game. I don't know if I want to talk about it now or until I finish. Uh, I'll, I'll just bring it up. So I've been playing It Takes Two. Have you guys heard of this game? Yeah, I listened to a podcast about it. Who are you playing it with? My sister. Okay. So this game offers both local and co-op online play for up to two people. But here's the catch. Two people have to play it. It is not playable with an AI. You have to have two actual people play it. Which is right in line with the creator's previous game, A Way Out. Have you, either of you played that? No, nah, the only game by them I've played is that Brothers. Played isn't that that creator? Isn't that that uh, yes. producer yes, who was like, uh, who cussed out the Oscars at the yes. Game Awards? Yes, Joseph ah, yes, Ferris. Okay. Yeah, he's I he's a little guy. bit crazy. Yeah, and you know, like I played. I, I know brother. He did Brothers: A Tale of Two Sons as well. You said. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know uh, that game gets a lot of accolades. I know a way out was innovative, but like I don't think it was too warmly received. This game, however, might be a contender for game of the year for me. Really? Yeah. It it exudes like a level of creativity I haven't seen since like I played. It it, it feels like a Nintendo game is the best way to put it. it feels like a Mario game. Like it's. So the the premise of the game is that you play as this couple, I forget their names, like uh you play as this couple who are getting a divorce, right? And their younger daughter like she knows about this, but their parents, you know, she knows about this because she can like see the writing on the wall, right? Like the parents haven't told her, but she knows. And she has like these dolls. She's a really young girl. She has like these dolls of her parents like the dad is like made of clay and the mom's like a wood a wooden doll. And she like plays with them and like pretends like they're a big happy family. It's kind of sad, right? <laughs> so um one day, like uh, she like after she like knows they're gonna get a divorce, she goes to play with these dolls. And like the next day when the the mom and dad wake up, they wake up in the bodies of these dolls, right? So like they're they're in these like little wooden and clay dolls and and suddenly like everything becomes fantastical like the they're they've shrunk down to like doll size like inanimate objects inside the house like come to life and like everything sort of becomes really trippy and like fantastical and a character called the book of love appears and his goal is to get them to fix their marriage right so the game is a an adventure platformer game i would say right but like the co-op gameplay design is so brilliant like it is setting a benchmark for co-op gameplay absolutely like i can say that with full confidence and i i wanted to hesitate talking about this game because i'm not that far into it yet i think i'm only like maybe a couple hours at most into it but from what I've seen so far, it is just brilliantly designed. Like, for instance, like um, one of the mechanics, right? Like, so we enter this level. We're, we're like navigating through the garage right now, I think, and the garage of the house. And the 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 guy character, he gets like this nail ability, right? Like, so it's like a nail, right? Like that you hammer into a into a into a wall or whatever. 
So he gets this nail and he has the ability to throw it and recall it kind of like Thor's hammer or Kratos's axe. Right. And the girl gets like the hammer head. Right. So she can hammer in the nails, but she can also use the hammer head to hang off the nails. So you get like these insanely creative platforming things to advance to the level where like the, the guy has to throw the nail. So it's like hanging against the wall. And then the girl jumps towards it swings onto it through the hammerhead and like goes onto another platform and like little things like that like this game is full of really creative design touches and it feels like it's just throwing new mechanics at you every minute or so like it's it never gets old granted i haven't played that much but like it keeps things constantly fresh and really creative and really whimsical and i'm really having a fun time with it and uh yeah, I can't wait to play more of it. it sucks. Well, it sounds really good. I had actually yeah. uh the podcast I had listened to did not uh see it so favorably. So Really? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm I, I'm interested that you I think it's got like a really good Metacritic score too. I think it's being received pretty well, but I'm certainly having a good time with it. <laughs> yeah, I might have to check it out then. But yeah, you definitely like again, you need someone else to play it with. You can't just play it by yourself. And which which is really unique nowadays, right? Like you don't get games that are like that. Yeah. And like I don't think you can well maybe you can like matchmake and find someone to play it with, but like you definitely should play it with someone you know. But yeah, I I'm eager to complete it and see uh if my opinion still holds. Like right now though, it's 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 very, very good. The only game I could say like that I played this year that is as good or better as Hitman. But really? uh, yeah, that's how yeah. I feel. I, I mean, I don't think I, I haven't played too many games this year, you know, like games that came out this year rather, right? Like we're not counting like a link to the past or whatever, you know? Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, very good. Very fun. I think you had another game, right? Connor. I did. I, uh, I played Factorio this week. Uh, finished it basically. I'm uh, I'm putting together the parts for the rocket right now. Uh, I'm probably gonna improve my efficiency a little bit. Uh, basically, I want to say that I was wrong in any way to compare this to an idle game. It is not like Satisfactory. You cannot step away and watch your factory pretty much at any point uh, because if you, it, it is kind of a race against the clock to uh, keep your military, uh, you know, your military offerings prepared because the, the bugs evolve so rapidly and get so strong. You can actually, like, lock your game almost. You can get to the point where there are so many bugs attacking you that, like, you're done. You don't get to play the game anymore because they're, they're destroying your factory faster than you can build it. That didn't happen to me, but I got close. I got very close at one point. I, uh, I played through the game with my buddy Ty, and uh super fun game uh i was actually like ready before i uh, the game felt kind of short to me compared to satisfactory like to get to the end and i was ready to say that about it uh but i'm i'm looking at my steam hours right now and i did play this game for 40 hours (laughs) so it's not short (laughs) that is not a short game no and that's that's an unmodded playthrough so that's like the absolute simplest this game can be and I will probably do more playthroughs of this game. And that that's 40 hours, yeah. Uh, I really liked it. 
I don't know that I liked it as much as Satisfactory. Uh, the factories I build in it feel way simpler, uh, largely because of the 2D limitation. You know, you, you can't, uh, you know, just the nature of a 3D factory is going to be more complicated than a 2D factory. Uh, the only thing I really don't like is that I feel like there's a lot of focus in Factorio on, uh, they're like these green chips, red chips, and blue chips. And I feel like I spent, once I unlocked those chips, I feel like I spent the entire game trying to get better at making those chips. And I don't love that so much. I kind of wish that, like, there were times when we switched over, like, oh, we need to start producing uranium for nuclear power and stuff. And that was fun and all. But at the end of the day, what did we use that nuclear power to do? <laughs> Make more chips. <laughs> like, that just seemed to be the most important thing. Yeah. Other than that, I really liked it, though. Um, I I did have some mods. I had a mod called Squeak Through that lets you walk through pipes. Because uh, my friend told me that it was extremely annoying to build, like, chemical plants and stuff without it. Uh, and so I, I broke, he was trying to get me to install all kinds of mods and I didn't want to do it because I like to play a game vanilla the first time. Uh, and I also had, uh, an airplane mod that I kind of wish I didn't have. I, I kind of wish I had never installed that because I, uh, I rely on it a lot to get around quickly and I don't really like that. But overall, super fun game, positive experience, uh, kind of niche, <laughs> definitely not something that's going to be for everybody. Uh, if you like modded Minecraft, like, you know, the like Buildcraft and Factory Builders and stuff like that, or you like Satisfactory, you're almost guaranteed to like Factorio. Yeah, eventually I want to try one of these games at least, Satisfactory or Factorio, but I'm not sure which. I, I, I almost would push you to do Factorio. Uh, I don't know. I'm the opposite way. I think Satisfactory is a more a more calming experience. You don't have to, you don't have to worry about the enroaching horde of aliens yeah that's the thing though i kind of i eventually quit playing satisfactory before i beat it but i actually like feel the urge to finish factorio because of, and i think the bugs are a part of that like the fact that i never get to the point where i feel like like you have to make your factory faster in factorio and satisfactory it's just really nice to make your factory faster and i think that difference means a lot to me yeah, I feel like eventually I have to play one of these games because I feel like it gets mentioned. One of these games gets mentioned every single podcast episode. I mean, that's just because me and Mike are super into them. Yeah, know? yeah, they're just they're just our kind of game. I like them a lot. I can't wait till I talk about Dyson Sphere Project. Yeah, I want to play that. Have you tried it yet? No, not yet. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I might just throw it in my Steam cart right now though. Yeah, my friend Ty bought it. I'll probably buy it soon, but I I can't play these games back to back like. Once I finish Factorio, I'm probably going to take a couple month break. Like, they just, they just take a lot out of you. You know, they're they're kind of like work. Like, yeah, you know, you that's are, kind of what I was thinking, right? Yeah, like, and I personally, especially Factorio. Factorio has a lot of like luxury stuff that, uh, at the end of the day, it reminds me a lot of programming. It reminds me a lot of my job because, uh, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> it, uh, you know, you're constantly thinking, how do I get object a to location b so that i can make object c you know like that's that's your problem at all times is how do i get these resources to this place and uh i don't know i feel like i have a similar problem with data at work a lot of the time like how do i get this securely yeah that's basically what programming is right (laughs) 
Yeah, but, uh, you know, I don't typically get attacked by giant insects when I'm programming. I do have ants in my house right you now. You don't? Uh, well, I, I, like I said, I, I do have ants right now, and it's a problem, but uh, I have cats to take care of that mostly. And uh, also ant poison that I don't let my cats go anywhere near. Don't worry, gang. That's good. But yeah, I, I like Factorio. I... I'm actually feeling weird because I want to give Factorio like a 7.5 or an 8. But if you asked me if I liked Factorio more than Enter the Gungeon, or, or if I liked Enter the Gungeon more than Factorio, I would not be able to answer that. Because I, I played them at the same time. And I actually like, this week has been kind of agonizing for me because I like, when I hit free time, I'm sitting there like, oh man, which one is it going to be? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like review scores are kind of silly. When yeah, yeah, kinda, to... yeah, this just kind of shows that they're nonsense. Okay. I think I'm going to give Factorio an 8. Both 8s, which is a huge week for me, playing two 8 out of 10 games. Yeah. So, yeah, high high marks for sure. All right, I think that's going to do it for us this week. You can follow us at Ad Podcast Game Talk on Twitter. Please like, rate, and review us on any podcast service you use. And click the link in the description of this podcast to join our Discord and talk to us there. Thank you, Connor and Mike. Yep, see you guys next week. Yeah, see you next week. See you next time. See ya.